We knew Dallas was going to punch back in game two, but why did so much of what happened feel self-inflicted? We talk about the penalties, we talk about the goalie play, and the team play in front of the goalie on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any of our new videos throughout the week, throughout the postseason, throughout the offseason as well. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we deep dive into what we saw in Game 2 as the Wild lose 7-3. to We'll talk about the decision to start Marc-Andre Fleury, and we'll talk about just the way that the Wild seem to play depending on who is in the net as well. My name is Seth Topol, your daily Minnesota Wild insider, and that was something. Uh, And the crazy part about this, too, is that at one point, at one point, it was a 4-3 game. The Wild were trailing 4-1, just hideous vibes. And uh, then all of a sudden, two goals in 11 seconds, and they end up getting it to four to three, and after that, it was uh, it was just Dallas from there. We knew Dallas was going to push back. They had no choice. They had no choice losing game one at home. They had to give everything that they possibly had in game two. But having said that, it feels like a lot of what Dallas did was given to them. You're beating a team pretty solidly in five-on-five play, and so instead of just playing five-on-five, you take a ton of penalties. I don't really care how good the penalty kill is going into the postseason. You're facing some of the best power plays in the NHL when you get to the postseason, and if you are not absolutely one. 100% on your game, you're going to get beat. The Wild did face some adversity going into this game as uh, Ryan Hartman was not able to play after scoring the game winner in game one. So that obviously is a huge loss. And I think it goes to show you how much what Ryan Hartman does is important to... uh, how this team plays, not only how this team plays, but how that top line plays as well. But even beyond what happened tonight, we have seen a bit of a downward trend in Matt Zuccarello's game as well, which has led to that top line not being as effective as they have been uh, in the past. And so you have just all these little things and, we are going to deep dive into it because I, I'm at the point where I just I don't know why it continues to happen, but there is a noticeable difference when this team has Marc-Andre Fleury in the net and when they have Philip Gustafson in the net, how the team plays in front. 
because it seems like it happens every time Marc-Andre Fleury is in the net that you have instances in which you point to the play in front of him and say, well, there's nothing Fleury could really do about that because it was bad coverage, it was bad defense. Like, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm wondering, why does that continue to happen? So I have a theory as to why that is that we'll talk about later on here in the show today. But uh, by and large, just trying to walk the line between overreaction and just a little bit of concern as to what we saw in this game tonight. Let's not try to lose sight of the bigger picture here. The Wild did their job in game one. Won the first game of the series, so they flipped home field's home ice advantage in their favor by taking one of those first two against the Dallas Stars. But just it was a night and day different dynamic that we saw in game two as opposed to what we saw in game one. It just it feels like an opportunity that was left on the table. And it it would it be different if Philip Gustafson started? Probably not. You have to at some point acknowledge the fact that Dallas just brought it tonight and the Wild didn't. But again, it had moments where it looked like the Wild were going to be able to overcome all of the mistakes, all the errors, all the shooting themselves in the foot. Because, again, at one point it was 4-3 to three and the Wild had just scored two goals in 11 seconds. And we're starting to make it look like Jake Ottinger might be beatable for a second consecutive game, which is something he probably has not had happen to him quite often this year. And then it just is is power play goals, it's penalties, and and I don't care about the um, I don't care about the penalties that are taken as a result from some of the things that we have seen happen in this series because you can also acknowledge the fact that I lost count of the number of times that Kirill Kaprizov has taken solid wax in the back from Ryan Suter, from Roddick Foxa, from whoever it's from. And so for him to finally get to the point where he had enough and him and Domi go toe-to-toe at the end of the game, I have no problem with that. I don't have a problem with a player standing up for themselves and saying, I've had enough, and if somebody else on this team is not going to to do it for me, I'm going to take care of it myself. I am not upset about seeing that from Kirill Kaprizov as a guy who continuously faces that type of treatment no matter the team that he's playing. I have no problem with him stepping up and saying, I have had enough. But the penalties early in the game, the the easily avoidable hooking, slashing, tripping, any penalty of that variety, I you can't have happened because you either are going to have to do one of two things in this series. You are either going to, A, have to absolutely lock down your penalty kill, and stop giving Dallas opportunities. Or you just have to stop taking penalties. Again, the Wild have had major stretches during these first two games of this series. 
in which they've dominated five-on-five play. Dallas, through their first four goals of this game, scored three power play goals and a shorthanded goal. And you look at what they did in the the game one. They had two power play goals. So it's not like they're scoring in five-on-five. So keep it at five-on-five. Oh, it's frustrating because, again, the overarching theme here, and we're going we're gonna to walk that line of giving credit to Dallas for bringing it in this game, bringing it to make it a 1-1 tie through two games. you got to tip your cap at some point. But, again, I'm going to fully reserve the ability to say that a lot of what they did, it felt like was handed to them. And that's frustrating. Even with a 1-0 lead in the series, having that happen in this game, it's frustrating. So having said all of that, you still go to XL Energy Center tied 1-1 with the chance that Jewel Erickson Eck and Ryan Hartman will be able to return at some point. Maybe get John Klingberg back uh, as well. We'll talk about that third line D pairing um, a little bit also here uh, as the show unfolds. Uh, but next, we are going to discuss. We're going to discuss the goalie play. So we'll talk about that as we continue today's episode of Locked On Wilds. After a word from our sponsors, something exciting is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something you won't want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantities. So mark your calendar and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I myself can't wait to see what this new flavor is. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wilds, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wilds your first listen each and every day. Uh, just a reminder for you that the uh, Minnesota Wild will play again on Friday, and you have the ability to be able to listen to the Wild on the Sirius XXM app. So uh, make sure that you tune in on Friday to catch every bit of the action of the Wild's hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Wild. All right, we got to talk about the goalie play because we saw Marc-Andre Fleury in game two, which was a bit of a surprise. And I know there were reasons that the decision... And, again, it's easy to nitpick the decision because the Wild lost. It's easy to go back now and nitpick the decision. But I've, I've saw a lot of takes on Twitter about this has been in the works for a while. Keep the rotation going. Gustafson just gave you one of the games of the year and, and played a ton through six periods, basically, of hockey. And so you're trying to get him back up to full energy for the game on Friday. Maybe, I haven't seen anything to suggest that he is, but maybe he is uh, is fighting through some nagging injuries. Again, I have nothing to go off of off of that, but I saw that suggested as well. All of those are potential opportunities uh, 
to go with Marc-Andre Fleury. And again, you are dealing with a rookie goaltender in his first postseason start. So maybe there is the potential for a letdown in game two. And again, with a lot of the goals, with a handful of the goals that the Stars scored in this one, there's probably nothing that Gustafson would have been able to do uh, in order to make those saves. But we have to confront a truth about how things play out depending on who's on the ice. Philip Gustafson on the ice, he is way more prone to handling the first rebound and icing the puck. That that's that's his game. That's what Philip Gustafson does. He grabs the first rebound, ices it, and you regroup and you continue to play. It's also you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that this team seems to play much more calm and composed with Gustafson on the ice. They just seem to go about their business more, and I tend to wonder if that's because they know that if Gustafson can get to a puck, he's going to smother it and get the stoppage. With Marc-Andre Fleury, a lot of the action continues to go no matter if there's a shot on net or if there's a loose puck in front. You have a lot of just continuous play going on with him in the net. And I call it chaos energy. And I feel like it feels to me like this. You in the NFL, how many times do you see if a pass rush can't get home on a quarterback and the quarterback just has all day to throw in the pocket? Those cornerbacks can only cover receivers for so long before everything breaks down and it all hits the fan. You can only cover receivers for so long without getting to the quarterback where then all of a sudden inevitably somebody breaks loose and your quarterback, I say this with full PTSD of what Aaron Rodgers has done throughout the course of his career to the Minnesota Vikings. And it kind of feels similar to what happens with Barc-Andre Fleury between the pipes is that if that first save is just kicked out for a rebound that gives the Stars an opportunity to keep the puck, to keep the chaos in front of the net, and to allow for one or two guys to find it before the Wild do. And I feel like if you have that scrum in front of the net, the longer you allow that to happen without icing the puck, the more you're inviting an odd goal to be scored. And... I just, I I don't know what specifically it is, but it's noticeable at this point. You have just a ton of defensive breakdowns that happen in front of Marc-Andre Fleury, bad turnovers, and you just don't have those when Philip Gustafson is between the pipes. And so I, I can't quite, can't quite put my finger on it Maybe did with that analogy, but it just it's noticeable between the two. And that's exactly what happened tonight, is there just were a ton of instances in which the Stars were able to grab rebounds. Flurry had um, the one goal in particular, I think it was one of the Rupe Hintz goals, where he was sprawled out in front of the net, and the rebound just came perfectly to the side of the net, 
and you could have blown that puck in, and it still would have been a goal for the Stars. So you just you are inviting with the chaos energy. You're inviting those sorts of things to happen the longer the play continues. And so could there be some truth to any of those things that we discussed with reasons that you go to Marc-Andre Fleury here, again, to give Gus a breather after a super intense game one and try to make sure that he is fully ready to go to protect against a potential letdown, against a uh, a young goaltender making his second career start. There were a lot of reasons thrown out as to why, but at the end of the day, it just goes in the book as a decision that was made that did not work. And so now you very likely are going to go back to Gustafson here for game three in a game now that it feels like you kind of have to have. It's not obviously a must win, but I feel like now having seen what we um, what we saw in game two, it is a really got to have. I, and I say it's not a must win. I mean, mathematically, you're not eliminated from the, the series if you don't win this game. But I would put it way, way to the right of the scale, towards 100% as to a game that you really have to have uh, to, uh, to try to get momentum back on your side. And it's a situation, too, where you look at what happened in last year's postseason where you didn't really see a ton of roster moves with the exception of Game 6 and Dmitry Kulikov getting pulled out of the lineup throughout that series. You didn't really see a ton of moves. And so, you know, we, we see moves already in this series. But did we really need to? That's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, again, very easy to nitpick it after the fact. If it works out, if, if Flurry would have gone out and stolen that game, then all right. You have shown the stars that you have two goalies that are capable of beating them. But again, I go back to that difference in play between when Gustafson in, is in the pipes and Flurry's in the pipes, and it's something you can't deny. It's something you can't ignore. It's pretty easy to tell. So we will, uh, obviously, as the week goes on for the everydayers, we'll talk way more about this as we get some sense as to what the lineup's going to look like uh, for Friday's game. But um, I'm going to be very shocked if it's not Philip Gustafson coming back on Friday. Now, there are some other roster decisions that uh, I think should be discussed as well. There were a couple of bright spots. And so we will uh, we'll touch on those as well as we uh, continue to pick up the pieces after a 7-3 to loss to the Dallas Stars on today's episode of Locked on Wild. More to come after a word from our sponsors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. 
Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, thanks for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. Reminder for the everydayers, uh, we will, of course, have plenty more coverage coming up here the rest of the week. Leading into Friday, we'll regroup and uh, we will discuss some of the things that should happen for Game 3. Again, after we get a little bit of a sense as to how uh, a couple of players in particular in Jewel Erickson and Ryan Hartman are doing what their status is going into, uh, into Game 3. Another player whose status I'm very interested to see on is John Merrill. And credit to Brock Faber for, despite the chaos energy that reigned through the arena um, in Game 2, Faber did a lot of what uh, what we saw in game one. He just, he looks like a guy that belongs on the ice. He looks like a player that belongs as an NHL defenseman. And he did not commit any bad penalties in this game. He had some solid defensive plays. His line mate, however, had um, one penalty that directly resulted in a power play goal. And it's getting to the point where I am starting to wonder, I wonder if the plan all along was for Merrill to play until Klingberg was ready to go. I'm wondering if that was the plan for the Wilds going into the postseason uh, before Klingberg uh, was injured uh, before game one. And I'm wondering if that plan needs to be altered. Because you have Alex Goligoski, who you could slot in on that third line, de-pairing to, uh, to go with Brock Faber. Those two played together down the stretch this season. That pairing looked pretty good. And we've seen in the past defensemen on that third pairing that have ridden the bench for similar types of decisions. And John Merrill had that happen throughout the regular season as well. So... This is the part where this is the part of the series or the point of the postseason is punch counterpunch. The Wild punched in game one. The Stars counterpunched in game two, and now it's time for the Wild to return serve in game three with some adjustments of their own. The defense not as sharp. Then again, really nobody was. In, uh, in game two, and so the Wild have plenty of depth to be able to slide some guys in to, uh, to try to do a better job of filling particular spots. Another guy that's going to need to pick it up come game three is Matt Zuccarello, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's an injury or, or what the deal is, but it clearly is not the same Matt Zuccarello that we have seen, um, that we saw last year, that we saw early in this season, just doesn't look like the same guy. And so he's going to need to pick it up 
um, in order to get this thing trending more in a good vibes direction. Uh, there were a couple of bright spots, though, in this game. I continue to really like what we've seen from Gustav Nyquist. He had a couple of really, really good setups for goals. You had the Oscar Sundquist goal to get the Wild on the board to make it 2-1. to one. And then you had Sundquist assisting on the Freddie Goudreau goal to make it 4-3. to three. And you add that in with the fact that I thought Sundquist did some really good things in his postseason debut with the Wild. And those trade deadline acquisitions, they uh, they did their job in this one tonight. And so it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't completely and utterly bad <laughs> in this game. So there were some encouraging things, but I wonder if we see a little bit of a shakeup uh, at the top of the lineup too. Now, assuming that Jewel Eriksson Ek is back, I think you probably put him in the um, in that same pairing with Matt Boldy and Marcus Johansson. I think you probably go that route. But do you maybe move Gustav Nyquist up in the lineup and and give him a shot with Kirill Kaprizov up on that top line? I I, I think it would be worth a try because it wasn't working with the uh, the top pairing. It really hasn't through the uh, the first couple of games of the series. Kirill scored his goal on the power play. His line has not really done a ton um, throughout these first couple of games. So maybe you do jumble things up a little bit. The point is, is that the optics, big for the everydayers, we use optics a lot because I think with all of the attention that gets paid to the analytics to the stats, I think there still is plenty of room for the eye test as to how things look, how we see them, how we interpret them. And so I I just I think the optics of going into game three, even after one loss, you're not trying to overreact to one loss, but the nature in which it happened. I think you got to mix some things up in, um, in game three. Look what Craig Berube did last year for the Blues. The Wild found them, or the Blues, that is, found themselves down two games to one in the series. And Baruby threw everything in a blender. He threw everything in a blender. Everything that had gotten the Blues to that point in the season. He blended it up and he started over. You can't be afraid to make decisions and swap things out and go with fresh looks to try to exploit weaknesses against your opponent because your playoff opponent has done a ton of research. They've they've watched film. They know the tendencies that you're going with in a postseason series. And so if you don't try some things to throw them off balance, well, then you uh, you kind of get what you pay for in that regard. So Again, trying to take the positive from the first two games in that the Wilds won game one, and so they took away home ice advantage for the Dallas Stars. But overarching theme for this episode is that it felt like a lot of what Dallas was given was uh, self-inflicted. So short list, things to do for the Wilds going into game three. 
stop with the penalties. And again, I don't have any problem with players sticking up for themselves uh, to uh, to get back for chippiness or anything like that. I don't have any problem with that. It's those other penalties. Hooking, slashing, tripping, any of those kinds of things. You got to cut those down or you have to make sure that your penalty kill is able to get stops. And Gus in game three. That's the short list of things that I would do heading into game three to uh, try to take a two games to one lead in the series. We'll talk more about it as the week unfolds, but that is going to do it for today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Uh, Again, make sure that uh, you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any new episodes, including postcasts after games. Uh, We will keep you as up-to-date as possible with player news as well as uh, how the games unfold for the Wild here for the rest of this series and beyond. So make sure you follow along with us. We have new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.